FM Breakfast Show with the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are, positively different radio. In the morning, special shout-out this morning to all those listening in Dungog, New South Wales on 87.6. Done a lot of work up there to get their transmitter really cranking out. Robinvale, Victoria on 88.0 and Emerald in Queensland also on 87.6. Lawson. Fantastic. What do you what are you thankful for? I got home so late last night, Lyle. Like midnight. <laughs> I got home at midnight last night. This is not appropriate for a breakfast show host. But that was because I was at a police station last night. Right. Yeah. I didn't commit any crimes. Oh, disappointing. Happy. Uh, happy. Thankful. Yeah. Thankful. <laughs> Thankful. No, I didn't commit any crimes. No, I was uh, supporting one of my friends who, they're an international student. Yes. And they got robbed oh, last night. No. They got They got mugged uh, on the no way home. No so, way. Yeah, really unfortunate situation. Luckily, they're okay. And they only, they didn't lose their phone. The only things that they lost were their house keys and a bunch of their cards and cash. But they're okay. Their stuff is okay. They still had their phones, so they're able to contact people. And they're doing all right. So, yeah. But really... People still carry cash. Sorry? People still carry cash. Yeah, it's kind of exchange students, you know. They've, yeah, they've got, like, international cards, and so they, they keep some cash on them. <gasps> but, yeah, really wow. sad situation. But I, I think it's, honestly, considering the situation, like, best possible outcome. Just to, it could have been so much worse. It could have been so much worse. So, praise, really praise God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Lawson, give us a question there. Who had a vision of a lampstand between two olive trees? 0491 Of course, we are giving away our Days of Daniel board game where it's all about you know, moving your pieces around the board and experiencing the, the, the dreams and the visions and the historical things that happened in the life of Daniel and, and, and reaching the end. So 0491 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. And that question was who had a vision of a lampstand between two olive trees 0491 okay if you know the answer you know the number to call so call us right now with the answer let's have some positively different news this morning positively different news so in the midst of record-breaking temperatures in california at the moment oh wow they were incredibly close to having to do power cuts to their grid Yes. They were like, in, in California, they Every were like... Every air conditioner running. They were like, we're going to have to start, you know, shutting sections off. You know, 100 years ago, air conditioning didn't work and people didn't die. Mm. 100 years ago, people just knew how to drink water. That's right. It is a thing. You can't so do true. it. You don't have to have air conditioning. Agree. Agree. But in this situation, yeah, all the air conditioners are running. It's... Like, I don't know, 115 degrees cel- uh, Fahrenheit, not Celsius, they would all die. Um, but if 115 degrees Fahrenheit around, you know, your, your 45 yeah, yeah, that's, degrees, that's, like that's extreme. Very hot. Yep. And California being the state that it is, being massive, all those air conditioners are running, All they're all on. And California, the 
in like the uh, being California, being a super environmentalist state, they should have just said, "We don't need air conditioners. We can live without air conditioners. <laughs> well, We're going to do something for the planet today. No, let's not do something for the planet. We're having record breaking heat, but let's not do something for the planet. Let's all run aircons." Well, the California, oh, the California energy. Hard time. No, it, it was. It's like, but at the same time, the advice that they sent out, they sent out a, like a mass text message to everyone, and the advice was, "Please." <laughs> Like a heightened, like raise the temperature on your air cons. Like have them no lower than twenty five degrees. Like if they go any lower, you need extreme power to be able to power them. So have yes. them no lower than twenty five degrees. Turn off all non essentials because if you don't do this, all the air cons will shut off in California. <laughs> and luckily, as a result, well, praise God. They didn't shut down. I think it's hypocritical. Let me know what you think. I'm just going to uh, spout forth here from a. I think it's hypocritical to complain about global warming and run an aircon at the same time. Really? Yeah. Because because you think about it, uh-huh. you're creating a vicious cycle. Uh-huh. Global warming caused by, or we should probably say, climate change caused by uh, using you know too much coal powered electricity. So if you don't want global warming. And switch your air conditioning off. But especially in this situation where it's really hot, what if their air conditioning is run by solar? Then you can run your air conditioner. Yeah, that's right. So I was just trying to determine, I'm like, does Lyle think having an air conditioner is morally wrong? Maybe, you know, he's been driving... No, I'm just, it just occurred to me, you know. Maybe, maybe Lyle, you've been driving so many project cars that, you know, people take the air conditioners out of that don't work that you, you just... You just oh, uh, don't you, even go started on that subject. You've just wiped your hands with air conditioner. You're just like, <laughs> and everyone who uses one is morally wrong. <laughs> But no, surely, like you know, if you if you've well, got the this solar to back an, it up, this raises an interesting point because people who are driving uh, vehicles that are powered by internal combustion, sure, which is contributing to climate change, then uh, you are contributing more if you're running your air conditioner. <laughs> so, so actually, no. There's a there's a crossover point. I think it's eighty kilometers now. Um, <laughs> If you're, going, if you're running the air conditioner below 80 kilometers now, so if you're running the air conditioner while you're in town. But that's when you need it. Because yeah, well, yeah, the windows down. That's tough. So Lyle There here, used to be this thing called quarter windows. They were the best invention ever. And why did everyone ever get rid of quarter windows? Lyle here, the moral high ground yes. on how it is you should drive yes. your car and treat the planet right. is telling you that if you use air conditioner... <laughs> See, I think You're that, I think that our, 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 our automotive industry should grow a moral conscience. Oh, yeah. And put in quarter windows. I have, the quarter, uh, who, who thinks that we should bring back quarter windows? Wow. 0491064669. Wow. Be good for the planet. Wow, I don't know what that is. Oh, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what that yeah. is. You probably have never driven a vehicle with the dip switch on the floor either. No. <laughs> oh, okay. Why did they ever take the dip switch off the floor where it always belongs? Okay, the dip switch. But what a quarter uh, is that? You press a button and it just drops down a little bit. Come, come on, guys. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. I don't know. Educate this guy. What about what a col- column shift manual? Oh, oh, well, I've never driven one of those, but I know what it is. I know what a column shift is. Never driven a column shift. Maybe. I know. I wish I could have because they look so cool. They are just absolutely what awesome. Is it, what is my it dad creates always... so much space in the front seat. Yeah, you can have a big old bench. Yeah. Yeah, my dad always talks about, like, he, he had some 
holding Commodore or something. He's like, yeah, got three on the tree. Da, 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 da. It wasn't a Commodore. It predated the Commodore. It was probably a HS. Actually, it was... No, Kingswood. The Kingswood. I think it was actually, no, it was a Ford. It was either a Commodore or it was a oh, Falcon. Oh, Falcon. Yep. Yeah. Old. That's it. Three on the tree. Three bench on the seat tree. across the front. That's, bench yeah, seat across yeah. the back. It's just the best. Dude, it's so good. Station wagon. Old so much more wagon. romantic. That's it. <laughs> That's cute, Lyle. Anyways, hey, let's have a look at some more news. This... This story, you know, we talk about natural remedies and how they have the ability to be able to solve various issues. But I read this one and I was shocked. So, for those out there, there's a condition called cystic fibrosis, okay? Cystic fibrosis. And essentially, in its incurable form, what it does is that the uh, different liquids, particularly like mucus that you secrete you know, within your body, your body has no ability to control the amount or the thickness. Um, So what that can lead to happening is that you secrete too much liquid, which then gets infected, and people with cystic fibrosis are constantly faced with, like, lung infections and whatnot because they don't have the ability to control the amount of mucus. Reading this story, I was never more... Like, I've never been more thankful for mucus... I usually hate mucus. It's just the worst thing ever, you know, when you, you get sick awesome. and, and you have to blow your nose a million billion times. I'm like, this is the worst. But I'm so thankful that it exists. I'm just it, so thankful we get to talk about this on the breakfast yeah, show. Yeah, sure. Look, <laughs> uh, but that being said, so they're trying to come up with, well, they, they have uh, some, some cures for cystic fibrosis, including chemotherapy, actually, to kill certain bacteria that's in there. But... They've come up with a solution where they use this particular drug, drug, uh, this drug that kills this bacteria. Usually they use around 16 micrograms per millimeter of this drug to kill the bacteria that is affected when it, you know, meets with cystic fibrosis. But they've come up with another solution where instead of using 16 milligrams of this drug, they use, oh, micrograms of this drug, they use two micrograms of this drug. Oh, yes. And they combine it with Manuka honey. That is epic. That is so epic. They've done... Honey's like one of the most amazing substances on the planet. Particularly like Manuka honey, which is only found in New Zealand and Australia. People just rate it so much. They're like, this is the the greatest health you know, natural health product ever. And yeah, they've combined it with this drug to solve cystic fibrosis. They did some trials on 16 people. Then they did some trials in like a fake lung in a lab, spraying and dispersing and seeing how it would affect. And all 16 of these patients and in the lab as well, they're able to cure this particular infection, which for most people leads to some kind of chemo treatment. Honey is the best stuff ever. Which is You can use it great. for so many different things. Now, such such a cool. Personally, product. I'm a maple syrup fan, but maple syrup doesn't have the ability. You can't eat maple syrup when it comes out of an Egyptian tomb and it's like four thousand years old and still be edible. Fair Honey enough. is just like uh, an absolute wonder substance. It, so it yeah, truly is. I was really, really, really impressed by this because obviously. It means that you don't have to go get chemotherapy. But the step back from that, like the drug that they're mixing it with is already pretty toxic. Yeah. And is known for being pretty toxic. And there's lots of medications. And to reduce that, that that's a with, drastic reduction. With severe, severe side effects. And it's like, what's the only side effect to honey other than joy? You know, and just happiness because it <laughs> it tastes good and it's nice and you know. 
Yeah, so that's right. I, it's sweet. This is fantastic news, and I'm definitely hoping to see where this leads in the future and how many other uses we have for honey and other natural rem- remedies that don't destroy us. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Jesus, let's have another question for our quiz. Let's see if we can win this Daniel board game. I want to win this. <laughs> That's right. I'd smash hey, it. Hey, no, I wouldn't smash it. Friends who live in the Newcastle area, could you please answer these Because <laughs> we want to come over at games night. And play, and play this game. Which of the following is a coastal city? A, Jerusalem. B, Corinth. C, Damascus. Or D, Antioch. You, all, I think all you need to do is just, just look at a map and you'll know the answer. No, don't one. look at a map. But, like, we're not telling you to do this, but I'm just saying. This is this is actually, if you know geography, this is a really easy question. But, again, this question was, which of the following was a coastal city? A, Jerusalem. B, Corinth. C, Damascus. Or D, Antioch. 0491-064-669. If you want any terms and conditions in regards to our quiz, you can head over to faithfm.com.au and read about them there. But again, the prize you're gunning for is the Days of Daniel board game. Again, lastly, I'm just giving you guys as much chance as possible to be able to answer this correctly. Which of the following was a coastal city? A, Jerusalem. B, Corinth. C, Damascus. Or D, Antioch. 0491 064669. So here's an interesting question, Lawson. When you're driving down the road here, sure. around Newcastle, uh, how many people, how many, how many of your fellow drivers on the road are affected by drugs, do you think? I mean, uh, they did some research over the weekend, and, and one in 140 are affected by alcohol, uh-huh. which is pretty high, really. One in 140 cars yeah. have a person who is over the legal limit mm-hmm. driving. That's mm-hmm. insane. That's like in- unbelievably selfish mm-hmm. on their behalf. Yeah, I kind of like I got something to confess. I um when I drive on the road, I'm affected by extreme headbanging syndrome and that is that I just listen to music and, <laughs> and miss my turns occasionally because I'm too sucked in. I'll listen to an audio book and just like drive straight. But uh, yeah, anyways. Well, that, Hopefully that not is, head banging music. No, 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 no. More like just music that I'm like really, really into. Yes. Uh, but wow. Drugs. That is, how many how many people are drug terrible. affected? So, you know? One in 140 okay, with alcohol. Alcohol, I don't know. Which I'll, is a drug, of course. Okay. I would say less people affected by drugs on the road. Okay, here in the Hunter Valley, it's one in 17. Are affected by drugs. One in 17. One in 17. Okay, like users. my mouth I would is think wide that, open. Yes, this was, uh, this was research that was done through the Hunter Valley, I would, which is our local area right here because we broadcast the breakfast show out of Newcastle. I would expect that it wouldn't be that much different in other parts of Australia. That, okay, so so one in seventeen are affected by drugs. One in seventeen is it is it like the majority of it just like is it the majority of it marijuana or they didn't say but illegal uh, illegal 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 levels of drugs. Okay, wow. So you know, obviously, you know, some people are on prescription medication. Sure, but when they put you on prescription prescription medication, they tell you whether you are whether you are allowed to drive yeah. or not, and you legally have an excuse to be on. Yes, you have legally have a, a reason to be on those particular drugs and you yeah. should be on those drugs because your doctor has prescribed them for you. And do you have the right to drive? No, not if your doctor no, says no. No, this is the thing. You have the right to drive if your doctor says you can. That's right. Yeah. And if the packet says that you can. Yes. 
But if the packet says, you can't drive while mm. taking this, and the doctor says, you can't drive, or the pharmacist, any one of those three says you can't drive, then yeah, you, you can't, can't drive. drive. Yeah, it's pretty scary. It's pretty. It's, it's, but that is It's freaky. amazing that there are that many unbelievably selfish people in our world mm. that give don't give a hoot about anybody else other than themselves and their own desires. That's right. Ultimately, you know, why DUIs and whatnot are such serious crimes is because you are putting people at such grave yes. Yes. risk and danger. Yes, mm. and it's, it says so much about a person's character. Mm. When they do this kind of thing, I've had prescription medication where I've not been allowed to drive. Sure. I've felt I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. I can drive. Mm. But I didn't mm. because the doctor said, don't. Mm. Okay, moving on from there, earthquakes. Uh, China just got hit by 6.8. They've got 93 dead. It's been combined with heavy rainfall. It's been creating landslides. Wow. You've heavy rainfall and an earthquake at the same time. You know you're going to get land, landfalls. Mm. There's uh, 243 houses that have completely collapsed. There's 13,000 that have been damaged, heavily damaged. Uh, and that follows one the day before where a 7.6 hit Papua New Guinea. So 6.8 mm. and a 7.6 back-to-back are some pretty powerful earthquakes. Uh, moving around the world, the children's show Peppa the Pig has just introduced lesbian characters for the first time. <laughs> oh, so no, they've just joined the not Peppa Peppa the Pig. <laughs> so they've just joined the Odd Squad and Peanuts and Snoopy and the rest of them that have gone down that particular road. Mm. And this is after coming under two years of pressure from the LGBT community yeah. that yeah, these kids aren't being given enough sexual. Uh, information at that young age. Wow. Then you've got oh, in Libya, uh, moving on around the world, Libya, There, we, we need to pray for a person over there. We don't know their name, mm-hmm. uh, but they have just lost their case in an appeals court. Uh, this has been a four-year process, and they are now facing the death penalty. They've had no legal representation, mm-hmm. uh, nothing that we would consider to be a fair trial, and the accusation is conversion. Mm. Wow. They are now facing the death penalty for becoming converting, a Christian. For, for becoming a Christian. Wow. So it's pretty heavy kind of stuff that is taking place around the world. While we're talking about uh, different areas around the world, it's interesting to note uh, King Charles made a, a an oath um, this last Saturday to defend the Church of Scotland. He said, I, Charles III, by the grace of God of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland and of my other realms and territories, King, defender of the faith. Mm. Now, that's interesting to see his change of language. In the past, he's always called himself defender of faith. Defender of the faith is the historical title. Mm -hmm. But he's always positioned himself as defender of faith. Mm. So defender of the faith uh, I do faithfully promise and swear that I should inviolably maintain and preserve the settlement of the true Protestant religion as established by the laws made in Scotland in prosecution of the realm of right and particularly by an act insulated in an act for securing the Protestant religion and Presbyterian church government and by acts passed in Parliament of both kingdoms for union of the two kingdoms together with the government's worship, discipline, rights, privileges of the Church of Scotland. Mm. So what's your thoughts on this? So here's, a, here's an interesting aspect of the uh, British Constitution is that only a Protestant can be the sovereign. Mm. What's your thoughts on that? I think that I think that, that law was incredibly important during the Middle Evil Ages. Mm. Uh, I feel like it's a... L- <laughs> 
doesn't really matter now because they're so secular. Oh, whether, yeah, and, yes, this is very true. This is probably was, the most, you've probably said the most true and relevant thing. Because whether they're Protestant or Catholic, like if, if church and state combines, ultimately it leads to persecution of other faiths. But I don't think we're seeing persecution of other faiths in Europe, particularly England, uh, because their king is Protestant or defending against persecution of other faiths uh, yeah, because their king is Catholic or whatever it may be. I think that they're just really, really secular and they just okay. are not liking yes. religion anyway. King Charles is a very secular person. We all get that. Mm-hmm. Okay, but here's the interesting thing. If you look at King Charles the First, mm-hmm. so not King Charles the Third, but King Charles the First, Oliver Cromwell cut his head off because he was Roman Catholic. Mm. And as a result of that, you've got the history of the uh, British Constitution where they wrote into the Constitution that only a Protestant could be the king or the queen, could be the sovereign of the country. Yeah. Now... Initially, as a Protestant, like, ah, oh, yeah, go the Protestants. Yeah. <laughs> However, I have a major problem with it because, number one, you have a union of church and state, and number two, you have a restriction on religious liberty. King Charles should have the freedom to choose any religion that his conscience directs him to choose. Mm. That's religious liberty. Mm. And so we've got two issues here that I take exception to. Mm. And one of them is, and okay, these guys, they don't really do that much as a head of state. But there was a time when the Queen sacked our Prime Minister. Yeah, that's right. With a stroke of a pen. Uh, So that kind of makes life interesting. And, uh, you know, it's in the past he has described himself as defender of faith. Mm -hmm. And that may even go a little bit far for me as well because I would like to think that I am a defender of faith. Yes, Yes. But also a defender of no faith. I will defend the rights of someone to have no faith whatsoever at all. I will defend the rights of people of all faiths. And uh, this is, you know, and and, and Charles in the past, back when he was the prince, has described this as being his position as defender of faith, as a defender of all faiths within the United Kingdom. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And it has come time for our third question for the quiz, which is the first of the seven churches mentioned in the book of Revelation. 0491-064-669 is the number to call. You can give us a call or text on that number with the correct answer and go into the draw to win the Days of Daniel board game. But again, that question was, which is the first of the seven churches mentioned in the book of Revelation? 491-064-669. Joining me on the phone this morning is Jesse Herford from Signs of the Times magazine. Jesse, welcome to the show. Hey, Lyle. Good to be here. And, of course, we are up to the September edition of Signs of the Times magazine. We're well into September. So what's the magazine all about? What are some of the key stories that you're going to be featuring this month? Yeah, Lyle, September is a cool month for us. We are exploring a bunch of really interesting ideas. Probably the main idea that we're delving into this month is mental health. Every September, we try to cover a bunch of mental health topics in the magazine, including our main article, which is How Are You Really? You know, I I think that when we meet somebody in the street or at church or at the grocery store or whatever, we often ask, hey, how are you going? And usually the stock answer is fine or I'm busy or something sort of very Good. generic. But if you're really to ask, hey, how are you really? And we were to be honest, I would imagine that the answer would be a little less 
generic and maybe a little more uncomfortable. But- yeah, and you sort of think how often you ask that question and what would be the percentage of times that somebody has said, you know, I'm feeling pretty lousy right now. It does happen from time to time, but it usually only happens when somebody has a minor problem like the flu. If it's something big, like a mental health issue, they don't usually mention it. That's exactly right. And so this issue where I guess trying to lean into the uncomfortableness a little bit and to uh, really dig into this idea of if we were to be really honest with each other, what would that look like? And would that actually be good for us? You can probably imagine the answer is on the whole, yes. But the article that we're talking about today is really about how to be honest with the people that care about you and the people that can be in your corner. So that's the main article that we are um, they're going through. But as well as that, there's a couple of other articles that are digging into the idea of, of mental health. One of the, the ones that we're talking about is a historical article, Forgiving a Nazi. And in this article, we talk about the amazing story of a young lady who survived the, the concentration camp and actually went on to forgive some of the men that did some really horrific things to her and her family. Pretty tremendous story, pretty heavy, but quite amazing that through God we can actually come to forgive people, even people who have done awful things to us. And, of course, when you look into these stories, it's just the thing that always staggers me for those that have been able to survive and able to overcome. You know, the power of forgiveness that is there is just, you know, I I look at it in awe. I wonder, you yeah. know, could I, could I even do that? That's, I guess, the flip side of that question. You can be impressed by people who forgive, but let's hope that nothing as horrible as that would ever happen to you or I. But if it did, yeah, what would that reveal in our character? Really interesting idea, hopefully a, uh, a point of reflection for our readers. Yeah, and it gives me point of reflection even just listening to the tidbit that you're sharing with us there, which obviously makes me want to go and read the magazine really badly. <laughs> but, you know, do I have it in me? I don't think I do. Mm-hmm. I do think that God can give me the power and that if and when the time came that God would be able to give me that power. I just pray that I would make the choice to do so because that choice is ours to make. It makes such a difference in people's lives and the way they're able to deal with trauma. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, as many of us know, um, there's a great book called Forgive to Live, which is really true. The, the title of that book gives away the idea um, behind it, the powerful idea, which is really when you hold on to resentment, when you don't forgive, um, it's like swallowing poison and expecting the other person to die. So really forgiveness is just as much for ourselves as it is for the person who's wronged us. Indeed, indeed. All right, what else is happening in science this month? There's another interesting article that we're talking about, about J.R.R. Tolkien. Now, many of our uh, listeners might know that at the moment there's a TV show running the Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, which is one of the most extensive TV shows ever made by Amazon, delving into Tolkien's world. But we thought that we would take a look at his background, his Christian faith, and how it shaped the sort of stories that he wrote. And a lot of people may not know that basically before Tolkien, the fantasy genre in literature basically didn't exist. He, in some ways, invented it when he was writing his Lord of the Rings works and The Hobbit and many of the other works that he wrote that impacted the world so much. But the idea that we're exploring in this article is about courage and how Tolkien really doesn't set up the strong 
courageous characters that you might think the prince, the, the King Arthur's, the, the knights, the people who have power and prestige, he really sets up courage in the hearts of characters that you don't expect, a.k.a. the hobbits. You know, these little people who don't seem to have that much going for them, but really they're the ones who end up saving the world in his stories. And pretty inspiring sort of trajectory, if you ask me. And I think there's some uh, really good stuff in that for, for all of us. That's really interesting. I didn't realise that he's seen as the person who invented fantasy literature. He was obviously a good friend of C.S. Lewis, and I've been to the pub where they actually used to meet. There's a room there called the Inklings Room where they used to get together and to share ideas. And, of course, you've got the Narnia series on the other side coming from C.S. Lewis out of that same era. And so would it be fair to say that they invented this together? Or was Tolkien, was he really the one who just who just sort of came up with it. So let's go down this path and and Lewis jumped on as well. Well, I think they definitely rubbed off on each other a lot. And I don't know that fantasy as a genre was even part of their vocabulary. Tolkien, of course, was one of the main reasons that Lewis came back to the faith. They were different faiths. Tolkien was a Catholic, but he was really instrumental in helping Lewis through some of his, I guess, struggles with faith and helping him to see that life with God is worth living. But Tolkien really set out to write a mythology. He was influenced a lot by the Norse epics. He famously translated Beowulf into English. So when he set out to write um, his Middle-earth stories, it was almost like he was trying to write a mythological story for his people, for England. And you see that in, in a lot of his writings. There's some really clear parallels between the sort of hobbit lifestyle of very agrarian and sort of the, the farming communities that many of his contemporaries would have grown up in. And of course, a lot of the themes around the Dark Lord and the evil characters, he hated parallel and he hated uh, sort of the sort of storytelling techniques that were very on the nose. But there's some definite influences there between industrialization and the changing world and and all that sort of stuff. So very fascinating. Very ah, fascinating. that is, that is. I've never, ever studied any of Tolkien's stuff. I've, I've read a bit of Lewis's stuff, and when I was a kid, I read, of his, I read his full Narnia series, but I've never really gone down the path of, of Tolkien's material. So very interested to hear that history and to get a bit of an understanding of, of the guy and his connection with God and how he has influenced the world. Let's do another story. Let's, give a, let's get some tidbits from another one of your stories. All right, so I left this one till the end. This is one of the articles that I wrote, and it's on the cover. It's Into the Metaverse. Now, Lyle, tell me, how much do you know about the metaverse? Very, very little, Um, (laughs) apart from the fact that, yeah, they can gather a lot of data on you and use it to sell you stuff. 100%, yeah. And, And I will admit I am not the preeminent expert on the metaverse or on NFTs or any of the fancy lingo that a lot of these tech bros are really enthusiastic about these days. But I thought it would be worth exploring this idea of our shared virtual future and guys like Mark Zuckerberg and um, Jeff Bezos and even the folks at Google and Apple, they're all working on these virtual worlds. And this is the sort of future that they are envisioning for us, that we will spend a lot of our time in the future hooked up to a virtual reality set of goggles or an augmented reality set of glasses, and we will be in these worlds 
recreationally, we'll use it for business, we'll, you know, buy stuff in the world, we'll hang out with our friends, all from the comfort of our home, all strapped into a virtual reality um, machine. And this is this is the future that a lot of these um, tech giants are imagining for us. And so in the article, I examine the claims, okay, is this actually going to be good for us? What is it going to look like? Is it inevitable? And is this something that we can actually leverage for good? So I'm not the, as I said, preeminent expert, but it is interesting because I think this is the world that is probably going to end up being our future one way or the other. Definitely, most definitely. And, you know, there's a community out there of people that we can reach with the message of Jesus Christ through the virtual world that we probably can't reach in other ways. You know, the opportunities that there are for evangelism and for soul winning and to telling the story of Jesus and having a, a virtual church and all of these kind of things is going to reach a demographic that we are not reaching by, you know, walking out and knocking on doors and so forth. So I think we need to embrace the technology we have in the past. You know, we embraced radio when it came along. Now we own Faith FM radio station. We embraced TV when it came along and there are so many great TV programs that are out there being produced to share the gospel of Jesus. We need to embrace this, but at the same time, I think we need to be very, very aware of the dangers. And I also predict, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this, I think there's going to be a certain subculture backlash against it and rejection of the virtual world and living a virtual life where you've got a group of people who are like, no, we're just going to live a natural life. What are your thoughts on that? I 100% think that that's true. I mean, look, we're seeing my generation and below already, um, the, the Gen Ys and the um, Gen Z, they're rejecting Facebook. A lot of them are just not signing up for it or they're deleting their accounts. And it's not just a Facebook problem. Obviously, Facebook has a massive PR problem. They've been caught doing many shady things in the past. And so a lot of people in my generation and below are just going, well, why would I, <laughs> why would I allow them to harvest my data? So there's that problem. But I also do think that as we continue to digitize everything, maybe it's not even just the digital problem. I think maybe the fundamental problem is monetization and the fact that everything is now being seen as a an avenue either for getting rich in the case of NFTs or building virtual property in a, a metaverse. There have been stupid amounts of money that have been thrown around in some of these metaverses for property in a world that is theoretically limitless. And yet you see corporations, you see celebrities, you see tech bros investing in these worlds sinking stupid amounts of money into them in order to get quote-unquote prime real estate or whatever the case may be. And so I think a lot of people are getting absolutely sick and tired of that. This idea, which is supposedly a democratization of money, when we're talking about blockchain and, and, and cryptocurrency, it's actually turning into more consolidation in the hands of big corporations. And I think that might be the thing that might kill the hopeful spirit that a lot of these metaverses are trying to instill in us. Yeah, fascinating stuff. All right, sounds like a really, really interesting month for Signs of the Times magazine. How do we interact with this magazine? How do we get the paper copy? How do we get the digital copy? How does it all work? Tell us how it, how it goes. Very simple. All you need to do is go to signsofthetimes, all one word, dot org. 
www.ngovernment.org.au and hit the button that says subscribe. You can subscribe digitally or you can subscribe for a print subscription there. You can also follow us on Facebook if you really want to. If you are still on Facebook, you're absolutely welcome to do that as well. Yeah, all the extents like myself that are still on Facebook. Jesse Herford, thank you so much for joining us this morning to talk about Science Mag. Encourage everybody to head over there, signsofthetimes.org.au, where you can subscribe, you can get the paper one, get the digital one, etc. And uh, we really encourage you to do so. We've got to uh, take a break now. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.